Coming up, sometimes the things you possess end up being possessed by Satan. Drive like hell, you'll get there. And more mail from the Seventh Circle, all on this episode of Kiss the Goat. And welcome to another episode of Kiss the Goat. That's right, kids. Cast the circles, light the candles, and prepare for another hour. Give or take. Of deep discussion of devil movies from the last 50 years. I guess you better turn your rotors, too, because this time our feature film is from 1977. The best year ever. As James Brolin stars in Elliot Silverstein's The Car. It's Hell on Wheels. Well, something like that. Is everybody in? The ceremony is about to begin. We'll be right back after our first break. Do you like movies? Do you like beards? Do you bathe in raw meat? Do you dance under the fiery sky of Ra, daisies threaded through your man chest vein? Foolish question. Yes, we all do. But do you do it listening to the podcast from the After Movie Diner? If not, then you're missing out, and you may or may not spend eternity in insufferable torment wedged between Simon Cowell and Piers Morgan in an elevator that smells of death. The After Movie Diner is a website dedicated to movies. New, old, large, small, and of every genre. There are written reviews, interviews with the famous and interesting, and a weekly podcast with comedy, reviews, interviews, a variety of fascinating and flatulent co-hosts, and music to tap your toe to. So why aren't you on board? Get there or miss out on the podcasting sensation of a generation, one that feels like being slightly tongued by an over-enthusiastic cocker spaniel. Find us on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, TalkShoe, and over at AfterMovieDiner.com. Movies need only three things. Badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know that the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be deadly weapons? And body counts. Mathematics of Murder and Menace. The BBNBC podcast discusses lesser-known action, exploitation, and horror cult cinema. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and SoundCloud by searching for BBNBC Podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Got the goddamn message? Let's go to work. Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. And you know, kids, when you hear this funky music, it can only be time for one thing. It's time for Satan in the News. We're looking at the news a little differently this time. 
since the car is the first movie we've looked at where an object is possessed, we thought we would take a look at some real-life objects said to be possessed or haunted. Uh, this first story comes from Adi. I guess Adi. 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 I don't know. It's, it's it's a lot of consonants and vowels together. Anyway, it's a website. Stories by a woman named Beverly Jenkins. See, I'm attributing. Well done. I'm doing the right thing, and I'm attributing my source. Um, you may remember this from a few years ago, where a seller on eBay put up for auction a painting reputed to be the world's most haunted painting. This painting by artist Bill Stoneham is called The Hands Resist Him. Uh, The painting features a boy and a creepy doll girl or a girl with kind of a doll face standing in front of a glass door. And behind the glass door, you can see a crescent thumbnail moon and all these hands are like reaching out towards the boy and the girl, and the boy just kind of stands there uh, with no expression on his face, but he's got like a really wide Frankenstein forehead. Um, (laughs) Anyway, this painting was created in 1972, and it was purchased by Hollywood actor John Marley. Oh, that's weird. John Marley plays the Sheriff Sheriff Everett, if I can say his name, in the car. That's right. Um, He's also probably best known for playing Jack Waltz in The Godfather, uh, the producer who woke up with a horse head in his bed. <laughs> That's part of the offer he couldn't refuse. You'll never get Fantine! You'll <laughs> never get him! He's the fiercest piece of ass I ever had! <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, the painting was then bought by a California couple um, before it went up for sale on eBay. Now, according to the sellers, the figures in the painting moved around at night, sometimes disappearing from the canvas entirely. A boy in the painting was said to actually enter the room where the painting hung, and everyone who viewed the painting reported feeling sick and weak. Small children would take one look at the painting and run from the room screaming, and adults felt like unseen hands were grabbing them. Others said that they had felt a blast of hot air like somebody had opened an oven, and even people who just looked at the painting online claimed to feel a sense of unease dread or terror when looking at the painting. One person even claimed that their brand new printer refused to print a photo of the painting. However, it worked fine on every other print job. The painting was finally purchased by an art gallery in Grand Rapids, and when the gallery spoke to the artist who had created it, he had no fucking idea. No idea that his painting was in the middle of such a paranormal controversy. But he did mention that two people who originally displayed and reviewed the painting had died within a year of viewing it. So, you know, I mean, shit, if you're up for it, do a search for the painting. Again, it's called The Hands Resist Him. See what you think. Yeah, make sure it's not hanging up in your doctor's office. No shit. Well, the same thing can be said for the for the mirror at Myrtle's Plantation in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Baton Rouge. It's a bed and breakfast now, but it used to be a slave plantation, and it was built on top of a Native American burial ground. Shit. That's the Steven Spielberg, Toby Hooper double whammy right there. <laughs> well, it all revolves around one of the house slaves named Chloe. Um, She was only 17 when the master of the house caught her listening to one of his private conversations. No, no, no. Mm. As a punishment, he sliced off her ear. So after that, she always wore a green turban to hide her disfigurement. Um, 
Hoping to win back her master's trust, she came up with an idea. Chloe made a birthday cake for her owner's eldest daughter, but she included oleander leaves in the recipe. Now, oleander is a poison. (laughs) Chloe, however, knew the antidote to oleander poisoning and had thought that she could run in, save the girl's life, and get back into her master's good graces. Well, it didn't work. Kind of backfired on her. Chloe got the dosage wrong and ended up killing the mistress of the house and two of the children. Nice. So, Chloe told the other slaves what she had done, but they weren't going to take any heat for her choices. So, they hanged her and threw her body into the Mississippi River. The moral here is always check your measurements when cooking. Damn straight. Now, there's an old southern tradition that says when somebody dies, you got to cover up all the mirrors in the house. Because if you don't, the spirit of the dead person will get confused and wander into the mirror instead of heading over to the other side. Well, that night, they covered up every mirror in the house but one. Mm-hmm. And that's where the mistress of the house and her children ended up. So sometimes you can see handprints, and sometimes you can see the faces of the children reflected in this mirror. All of this reflects very badly on Chloe. Stop it. Oh, fine. (laughs) Let's talk about the final possessed item of this segment, and this is another painting. It's called The Crying Boy. Why is he crying? Uh, I have no idea. He's just a very sad little boy, and his sadness apparently causes house fire. (laughs) What? The original painting was created by Bruno Amadio. And the crying boy was a print. I mean, you could buy it anywhere. Hell, you could probably find one in a thrift store near you. It's just a simple piece of couch art. You know, the kind of dreadful shit you find in your least favorite aunt's home. Anyway, in 1985, Ron and May Hall's home in Yorkshire, England burned down. But their copy of the crying boy remained unscathed. Soon, hundreds of people were having major house fires where everything was destroyed except for their painting of the crying boy. So a firefighter told um, an English newspaper, The Sun, which is like the shittiest fucking tabloid in the entire (laughs) United Kingdom, that he would never hang that picture up in his own home because it seemed to invite fires. So, I know, right? Thanks for thanks for keeping the public trust and keeping us safe and calm. Um, so could it be that this simple portrait was enough to cause a kind of spontaneous combustion leading to hundreds of thousands of dollars of loss of both property and life? So anyway, after some scientific investigation, yeah, remember science? Ooh, yeah. Science is cool. Um, <laughs> it was learned that these prints of the crying boy were coated with a fire-repellent shellac. <laughs> so, chemistry helped, chemistry helped the portrait survive, but superstition keeps this myth alive. I guess the devil's not always in the, in the details, is he? I guess not. Yeah. That, and that's it for Satan in the News, our special Possessed Objects edition. We'll be back after this break, during which we will play for you the trailer for our feature film, 1977's The Car. Be back in a bit. Hi, I'm Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal. And for the past 40 years, in between barbecuing oxen and roasting boar for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries. 
Isn't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Dr. Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick-Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a back. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppies. But usually, you can find us both watching 80s, 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Dr. Action Kickass. You can find us on our main page, which is dractionkickass.blogspot.com. You can also find us on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic, and where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. Hi, I'm Mark. And you know what? I'm Mike. And we're the host of the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. We are the only podcast that looks at the films of Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski exclusively on a year-by-year basis. Every episode, we present the news surrounding the world of these two legendary filmmakers. And we also try to speak with the many people involved with the films we discuss. Speaking of films, we generally talk about three to four films per episode by reviewing and rating them. If you want to find out what those films are, visit our website at hollywoodupsidedown.wordpress. You can download our show via iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, by searching for Hollywood Upside Down. So if you're a fan of B-movies and you know you are or you wouldn't be listening to us, chances are you've seen some of the films of Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski. So why don't you join us from episode to episode and relive some of those favorite movie moments. The moments you'll hear on the Hollywood Upside Down podcast. Honestly, the real reason we watch these films is we love watching boobs. We sure do. Lots of large, small, flappy, flap jacky. No, Mike. No, no, no. Very well endowed, boisterous, giant, jiggly boobs. Those two. Yes. Evil has visited the earth in many forms. Now it returns as the car. There was no driver in the car. A car possessed. into the cemetery. The ground was hallowed.
Vroom, vroom. <laughs> you just heard the powerful engine and demonic horn honking pattern of the car. <laughs> Let's steer this show over to X for some background on this episode's movie. Why so many puns? I don't know. You wrote this shit. Uh, that's a fair cop. <clears throat> Gene Siskel hated this movie so much, he titled his review The Cinematic Turkey of 1977. Eh. He gave it one star. Poor bastard of a film opening a mere week before Star Wars, never getting the respect it deserved. Nobody liked this movie at the time. Well, nobody important. Only folks like me who were suckers for a great B-movie with a concept that was just so crazy, it just might work. Besides, how can you not love a horror movie with American Jesus, James Brolin? Oh, he's a handsome lad, all right. He certainly is. So, let's get out of my dreams and get into the car, shall we? (laughs) Let's do that, X. All right. (laughs) The car starts with a totally nonsensical and probably out-of-context quote from the founder of the Satanic Church, Anton Zandor LeVay. Hit it. He was actually given a technical advisor credit on the film because of using this quote. Uh, The quote comes from the Invocation of Destruction in the Satanic Bible. That's a Guns N' Roses album. I think it is, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the quote says... O great brothers of the night, who rideth upon the hot winds of hell, who dwelleth in the devil's lair, move and appear. I really can't imagine for the life of me what he did to get a credit as technical advisor. Did he, like, satanically bless the car? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Cast a circle around the craft table? I mean, (laughs) there's really not much... Satanism in this movie where you think we should really call in LeVay. He knows his shit. Yeah, it's almost like they used that to kind of push the the satanic angle on it's this film. Satanic street cred, I think, yeah. they were after. Yeah, I think so too. This also has a main theme composed. Uh, it's, it's an adaptation around some seriously scary music, which is the Symphony Fantastique. By Hector Berlioz. Now, you've heard this. It's the... That's pretty good. Uh, thank you. I think it's the March to the Gallows section of, of the symphony. But the rest of the soundtrack by Leonard Rosenman is fucking awful. Mm-hmm. It is, it's shrill. The whole soundtrack sounds like an orchestra tuning up in a warehouse. It's very uncomfortable. It is. Yeah. So, the movie begins. We're out in the desert... And all of a sudden, it appears. A huge, solid black car. Badass. Badass car. Now, the car is actually a customized 71 Lincoln Continental Mark III. And it was retooled by George Barris, who's the same guy who created the original Batmobile for the series. Oh. We, as the audience can see out of its windows and through the windshield, but it's all filmed through kind of a red-orange filter, so it's like staring through your grandfather's blue blockers. He has heat vision. (laughs) (laughs) Sapphires of hell. I guess it makes sense. You're in the desert. I guess you need heat vision. (laughs) So yeah, the first five minutes of this movie, it's actually a pretty intense scene. We get both our first and second kill with right within the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. 
So the car comes tearing out of the fucking desert along this this highway. And he comes upon two cyclists, uh, a boy and a girl, are riding their bikes across a pretty high bridge. And he fucking runs them off of the bridge. First the girl goes over the side, and then the boy goes over the side. And he goes over the side in straight-up, true slow-mo, 70s fashion. (laughs) Flailing and everything. (laughs) And right. the car, and the car has you heard it in the trailer. The car has I don't know like seven truck horns that it can blow at the same time. It does. That's how it intimidates and or mocks its victims by honking its horn over and over and over again <laughs> and revving same, its engine. In the same pattern. It <laughs> is. It's blaring, man. I mean, it really. It's like like some kind of satanic goose on the loose there. <laughs> It just hurts my ears. <laughs> so, so the car runs these two hapless victims off of the bridge. And then it cuts to the very next scene where we get to meet the hero of this movie, Jesus. police officer James Brolin. He's Jesus. He is Jesus. Jesus Brolin. And I guess I should explain this. I'll let you go on, but I, I need to explain this. James okay. Brolin, um, I've always associated him with what Americans think Jesus would look like. Especially when he's got that full beard going, like in the yeah. Amityville Horror, which was a couple of years after the car. Mm-hmm. But he's got that flowing, perfectly feathered hair and that slight air of martyrdom around him. So when I say Jesus, I mean James Brolin. <laughs> and he has just this sweet, slightly sad smile. Uh, yeah, just like, mm-hmm. I know terrible things are about to happen. Yeah. But- <laughs> But my hair is delightfully quaffed. Exactly. So <laughs> Brolin is a cop with a motorcycle and his rockin' feathered hairdo. Mm-hmm. Um, he's apparently having an affair with the school teacher, or a school teacher. It's a small town. There's not many of them. Um, and he doesn't want his two small daughters to know. Of course, his two small daughters do know because, contrary to popular belief, kids are not dumb. And they're really good at eavesdropping. <laughs> Now, the kids are played by Kim and Kyle Richards, uh, little blonde girls. They made a fuck ton of Disney movies back in the 70s, and then they grew up, and now they're on the real housewives of, I don't know, some fucking town. Um, so they're in rehab or some shit now, but they were really cute as hell back in the day. Are they really? Yeah. Oh, that's sad. I know, right? Yeah. It's like so- a, Escape from Witch Mountain and Straight to Bitch Mountain. Yeesh. Thank you. So, they live in this small bumfuck desert town in Utah called Santa... It, did we decide it was pronounced Inez? Yes. Okay. Y- Y-N-E-Z. Santa Inez. Y-N-E-Z, right. Yes. Which we learn in the next scene when the car claims its third victim, uh, who is this really annoying French horn-playing <laughs> hitchhiker. Now, this guy is such a jackass, okay? He was actually passed up by the car. Wasn't going to kill the dude, until he flipped it off and started cussing it out because it didn't stop to pick him up to give him a ride. And you know what? I would have hit him, too. <laughs> yeah, right? The, the car actually backs up over him four times. Four times. And you, you know why? Because fuck orchestral hippies. <laughs> Who sits on the city limit sign of a town playing a fucking French horn? I he was asking for it. I would have flattened his ass. 
So all of this takes place in front of the town wife beater and his family. <laughs> yep. Who, of course, call the cops. Now, the wife beater can't or or he won't give a good description of the car to the cops, only that it was a two-door black or gray car with no plates, which there was a lot of dust in the air because they're in the fucking desert, and that's not really surprising. So before they can recover from the shock of this brutal murder in their small town, they get a call about another dead body. And they find that it's the girl cyclist that the car ran off the road in the beginning of the movie. So at this point, Captain Old Guy calls John, for John roadblocks. Marley. John Marley. Yes, there we go. He calls for roadblocks. Um, he wants the town completely shut down. Nobody gets in or out without him knowing it. Yes, as um, John Marley and his magical eyebrows. <laughs> he does have magical eyebrows. And when he finds out that there's another dead body, he says... We've got a crazy on our hands. <laughs> That's some fine detective work there, Lou. Isn't it, though? <laughs> a crazy. <laughs> so this is very unfortunate for Captain Old Guy because he turns out to be the fourth victim. Um, that very night, he is mowed down in the street in the middle of town while he's walking to the local watering hole. Well, we... we... <clears throat> Let me back up, because we've got to establish some of the drama that's going on oh, okay, within but... the Santa Inez police force itself. <laughs> the sheriff, John Marley and his eyebrows, not not Jesus sheriff, um, he is in love with the wife beater's wife. The beaten wife. The beaten wife. He was She was his first love back in school or whatever. Now, there's another deputy there named Luke, played by one of my favorite actors, Ronnie Cox, and he quit drinking about two years back, but he keeps a bottle in the trunk of his car just in case. So he's been two years without a drink, but all this you know, vehicular homicide has got him knocking back a few. So there's all kinds of weird shit going on here with the cops. Right. Subtleties I didn't pick up on. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. So... The, the car is parked right there in the middle of fucking town on the side of the road. And when Captain Old Guy walks out into the street, it starts up and guns it and plows him under. Yep. So now the wife beater guy was there again and witnesses this murder. <laughs> so one might start to get suspicious. But again, he has very little helpful input into the investigation, even though he was standing right fucking there and saw the whole thing. Right. And it's not like he did it. It's not like he's like, oh, I'll be right there to answer your questions. Let me hide this giant remote control unit. Right. So he's he's an asshole. He's an asshole, but he's not a suspect. <laughs> now, there's an eyewitness to the sheriff getting run down, and she's a Native American woman. And she's being questioned by one of the Native American cops. His name is How Tom. handy. Uh, I, I know, right? Yeah. So this woman tells the police officer that bad things have come in with the wind, and her family is moving further back <laughs> into the hills. So now that, now that eyebrow sheriff is dead, Jesus is now the de facto sheriff of Santa Inez, which you would think would make the townspeople feel a lot better. But another officer tells, who's also an Native American, tells James Brolin that the old woman also said that there was no driver. Could it be Satan? Dun, dun, dun. There's an interesting turn. 
Right. Now, none of this sits well with Luke. Luke finds himself going up to the trunk of his car more and more. Luke's got a bar in his car. <laughs> There's a distillery in the man's truck. Like you do. And that's state property. I don't know how legal that is. <laughs> Probably not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day they get another call about another dead body. And that's when they find the corpse of the second cyclist from the beginning of the movie. That's the the guy that was on the cycle, um, the the bicycle. So the cops are really dumbfounded because in spite of their round-the-clock roadblocks, they have yet to see this fucking car. It's at this point that we cut away to a shot of the car hauling ass off-road through the desert. Yeah, and the desert's kind of like, I don't know, it's like, it's like America Werewolf. Stick to the road, stay off the moors. Exactly. Well, if the desert were the moors, this car is definitely on the fucking moors. Question answered. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> it's hauling ass towards the fairgrounds. Right. The school that Lauren, uh, James Brolin's girlfriend, works at as an art teacher, is having a parade rehearsal. So the marching band is there. The baton twirlers are there, whatever. Horse riders. Horse riders are there. I, I, I guess whatever kind of talent you can dredge out of this dinky-ass Utah town, they're all there. Mm-hmm. And everything's cool until we see a glint of light off of a windshield in the distance. And then the wind picks up. The wind picks up, blowing dust in everybody's eyes so they can't see anything. And the horses freak out. They're roaring and bucking. Yeah, so everybody starts panicking when the wind kicks up, and I'm not sure why. I've been to the fucking <laughs> desert. It's windy all the fucking time. High winds are pretty constant, so I'm not real sure why it was such an important plot point that there were high winds in the desert, but, you know, it ties into the whole Native American mysticism thing, so I guess it works here. There's a Native American mysticism thing? Well, you know, there was the old lady saying there were bad things on the wind and her people were moving higher into the hills. And so now every time the car comes around, there's high wind. Okay. All right. And again, I didn't pick up on that. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we hear the car honking with its old familiar pat. Hi, here I come. I'm coming. Um. But that's really helpful for those of us watching the movie, because, fuck, it could be some other car. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Lauren, the soon-to-be Mrs. Jesus, tells the kids to go up to the cliffs, and that's when the car attacks. It crashes into the grandstands and starts going after the kids, and some guys on horses try to distract it, like like it's a wild bull at the rodeo. <laughs> right. Car wipes all of that out. So up in the cliffs, Lauren herds the kids up into an old abandoned graveyard. Not like cemeteries or great hubs of activity anyway, but everybody's inside the graveyard and the car just sits outside that that boundary, just idling and or doing donuts or just freaked out. So Lauren stands up and literally makes fun of the car until it goes away. Yep. She taunts the car's driver, calls him a chicken shit son of a bitch, and the car just gets mad and honks and drives around in circles <laughs> until the cops come up and you can hear the sirens and that's when the car takes off again. <laughs> right. Um, and are you, are you going to say it about the other, when the car leaves, there's this other woman who stands up and taunts the car? Yeah. <laughs> she, she gets in a, a parting shot there. What did she call him? Cat poo? Cat poo. <laughs> that's all you got. 
Cat poo. Cat poo. So this, <laughs> of course, like you said, the cops hightail it to the fairgrounds and then begins a pretty epic car chase. <laughs> so there's one cop that's still holding vigil at a road roadblock, right? And when the car pulls up to him and stops, the cop fires his weapon at the car twice and completely misses it. Or maybe the bullets disintegrate before they reach it. I don't know. But the car turns around, and of course the cop jumps in his car and pursues it. Now, (laughs) the car makes it evident in this chase that it can, to some degree, defy physics. Because (laughs) the, the cop from the roadblock is pursuing it up this winding, mountainous road, okay? And it's really fucking narrow. There's like a five inch shoulder on either side and one side is this sheer cliff face and on the other side is this tremendous drop off into a ravine okay so they're going around these sharp curves you can't see shit around the curve and all of a sudden the car has completely flipped a bitch and is coming right at the cop head on so there is no way in hell that car could have turned around on that street yet there it is quadrifraction what was that? It's like quadratraction tires. <laughs> Something. Maybe it can drive up on the wall. I don't know. Um, the, the cop, of course, got ran off of the road into the valley below, and it exploded into a ball of flame on the way down because, like everything in the 70s, cars are very flammable. Let's rewind this. Okay. The car pushes the police car over the mountain, over the side of the hill. Right. The police car first lands on its roof. That's when it explodes, is when the car is on its roof, because these police cars, as most cop cars did back then, keep their gas tanks inside (laughs) the roof of their car. That is the only reasonable explanation why the cop car would have blown up at that point in time. Well, and that explains the next thing, too, because the car does a fucking crocodile death roll down the street. Over the top of another cop car. Two cars. They're in both lanes. And they explode and kill what? Two more cops, I think? There's two cops in each car. They're in both lanes. The car fucking turns sideways. Death rolls over the top of them. Both of those cars explode. And the car just keeps on going. Well, my death count is off then. Let me up that by two. (laughs) There we go. So then it comes face to grill with Brolin. Uh, right? <laughs> Brolin tries to shoot it and fails. And then they sit there in the first of two really weird sort of standoffs. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like they're, it's a cockfight or a pissing contest. They're in the desert. So Brolin begins to slowly approach the car. He walks up to the door, but it has no handle. Boom. Ooh. So then it pops open a little bit just to tease him enough that he's tempted to reach for the door. And then it flies open and knocks him on his ass. And unconscious for some reason, I guess Brolin keeps his brain in his chest. I don't know. (laughs) Because the next scene, he's in the hospital with Lauren, the school teacher, fretting over him. And meanwhile, the car drives back to wherever the hell it goes. The car cave. (laughs) Cooter's garage. I don't fucking know. Cooter on the payphone. Right. <laughs> so, also, there are no outside handles on the doors, and we've established that. But uh, 
he also says that he never saw the driver, which corroborates what the old Indian woman said, but does not rule out the possibility that the car might be driven by a tiny old woman. Truth. Just tall enough to see over the steering wheel. Exactly. So while Berlin's in the hospital, the doctor tells him he's got to stay there for a couple of days, and it's decided that Lauren should go to his place and stay the night with his daughters since he won't be released. So Berlin has the Native American cop drive her to her home to pick up some necessities. Now, while she's gathering up all of her stuff, um, the wind kicks up again. And she drops a piece of paper and chases it into the middle of the street. And there's a really nice kind of tense sequence where she realizes, oh, shit, I'm in the middle of the fucking street. And the wind is picked up. And this is the worst possible place I could be. Now, Native American cop has left her there because he wanted to go check on his family. He was worried. So so she's all alone. Mm -hmm. So she picks up the piece of paper and she runs back into the house. And instead of just getting her shit and getting ready... She calls James Brolin while he's in the hospital, where he can do fuck all nothing. (laughs) And she's freaked out. She's like, I keep thinking I hear the engine of the car. Isn't that crazy? It's the weirdest thing, but I keep thinking I can hear the engine of the car. Meanwhile, (laughs) if she had looked out her front window... Just over her shoulder. Just over her shoulder, she could have seen the headlights of the car driving towards her house. It would have explained everything. She did hear the engine, because that car drives right through her fucking living room, effectively mowing her down and getting rid of the best character in the whole movie. Full tilt boogie, man. Plows right through that fucking house, demolishes her. Through the front, out the back. Damn. So that's 13 dead people so far, in case you lost count. Jesus. You're counting the dead people? Yes, body counts are important. (laughs) (laughs) So in the aftermath of Lauren, the school teacher's demise, the remaining cops come to the conclusion that the reason the car didn't pursue the kids into the graveyard is because it was hallowed ground. Okay, I want to back up a little bit. I'm I'm sorry. The person who comes up with this is Luke the Drunk. The Drunk, that's right. You know, first he says, oh, by the way, I'm back on the wagon, and I fucking love it. Don't ever get me to stop drinking again. But he's also becoming more apocalyptic the more drunk he gets. Mm -hmm. So he can't do cop things. You know, he can't do his job for shit. Yeah, but he's in tune. Yeah, he can't cancel a parade rehearsal, but by God, he's got this whole fucking thing figured out. The car can't go into the cemetery because it's holy ground. Also, no Highlander fights in the graveyard. Luke figures that out, too. Um, so, Wade Brolin, or Jesus, Jesus Wade parent Brolin, the, the guy, the comes guy. up with this grand plan. And we're not sure what it is right away, but we know that it involves a shit ton of high explosives. And the wife beater guy. And the wife beater guy, who happens to run a demolition company. Right. So now before going off to try this harebrained scheme, Brolin goes home to kiss his daughters and they're with a babysitter. So he's going to check with them and let her know what's going on. And it's it's at this point that he finds the car in his fucking garage. Oh, my God. So, again, there's another awkward standoff 
in which the car won't let him leave the garage, and they just kind of stand there staring at each other, I guess if the car can stare. And it, has, it, it has headlights. It has it, a face. Okay, okay, true. So, <laughs> sort of, pseudo-face. It's got the car face. And it begins revving its engine and honking that brassy fucking horn louder and louder and louder until it literally shatters the windows in the garage. And in the house. And in the house, which is across the yard from the garage. See, and honestly, that freaks me out. Because that fucking thing just backs up into the garage like it owns the place. (laughs) And then it starts revving up and there's this fucking white smoke just pouring out of the exhaust. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm just like, God, that's, to me, that's really kind of scary. I don't like that at all. So it's through one of the broken windows that Brolin escapes. He jumps on his motorcycle and then the car pursues him in a nighttime cat and mouse game through the desert. Yep. Yep. So we'll leave it right there because we suck. And after this break... (laughs) We'll come back with our traditional three questions and hopefully answer some questions from our listening audience. Keep your seatbelts fastened, and we'll be back right after this quick break. Howdy, folks. Like blood, violence, freaks of nature. You've come to the right place. My name is Gary, and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. Oh, slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, Take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please venture frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Not getting the coverage of TV horror from the other podcasts out there? Then look no further than Evil Episodes Podcast, where we'll give you the in-depth coverage of all the best and the worst that the small screen has to offer. Oh my god, you're hearing just about the big screen? Listen to the small screen here on Evil Episodes, Mike, Corey, and Jamie. Man, we're going to make things weird for you and just uh, bring to you everything that you don't hear about that you should be watching on TV. Jamie, give us some examples. Uh, well, how about we talk about new stuff like American Horror Story or The Walking Dead or this this season's Sleepy Hollow. Uh, but then not only that, we dig into old stuff like Tales from the Dark Side and Supernatural. Holy moly. That sounds like a fun fucking podcast to me. You bet your sweet ass it does. And Jamie, where's the only podcast where they can hear about all that stuff? Well, it's Evil Episodes, of course. That's right, so set your DVR to channel 666 and let Evil Episodes give you the in-depth coverage of the stuff that deserves to be, but isn't talked about elsewhere. Evil Episodes is a podcasting network. We are back on Kiss the Goat, and it's time to ask our traditional three questions 
Question number one. Why should our listeners watch this movie, or should they? You want me to go first, or you want to take this go one? Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I did not like this movie nearly as much as you did. <laughs> I think that was pretty clear from the get-go. Uh, um, I don't think most people like this movie as much <laughs> as I do. But I tell you, there were three redeeming points for this movie for me. Number one, it's got a badass fucking car in it, which just tears up shit from start to finish. Fuck yes. So that was really cool. Um, number two, Jesus Brolin. Mm-hmm. I love James Brolin. He is sexy. He's a good actor. He's nice to watch on screen. And number three, in spite of her kind of falling apart at the end there, when she's calling Brolin and being like, oh my God, what do I do? She was not a retarded female lead, and that earns big points for me. You're talking about Lauren. Lauren, yeah, played exactly. By, played by Kathleen Lloyd, yeah. Who was an so, underrated actress. She was good in almost everything she was ever in. I really liked her in this movie, surprisingly yeah. enough. So um, the plot wasn't really deep. It wasn't really all that scary for me. It was kind of predictable, um, but... It kept it brief enough and kept the action going long, or, you know, quickly enough so that I didn't lose interest. And I think that the end scene, which we're not going to discuss because we don't want to spoil it for you guys, um, the end scene uh, was a good payoff. I think it worked for the movie, and it's worth it to watch it. The end scene, which we are not discussing, is fucking amazing. <laughs> It is awesome in every sense of the word. Absolutely watch this movie. If this is a great it's 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 a hard li- it's a hard line to walk between an action movie and a devil movie. And Agreed. there are not very many movies that pull this off. And while I'm not saying this is on par with Race with the Devil, because it's not, and we'll get to Race with the Devil further on in the series, but it's a really good hybrid of the two genres. Lots of car chases, a badass custom Lincoln, tearing ass through the desert, mm-hmm. um, James Brolin, Ronnie Cox, R.G. Armstrong, uh, John Marley, this cast is to die for. It's fantastic. So if you don't mind a little cheese with your cracker, <laughs> definitely watch the car. It is so worth it. Okay, so question number two. On a scale of one to six, how many horns high do you give the car? Five. Straight up five horns. Um, even I have to go, all right, it's a little bit silly in places, but just a little bit. I, I bought the whole thing. <laughs> I really did. I was like, okay, this makes perfect sense to me. I'm totally down. Aww. So Yeah, so five horns. I would give it a solid three. It's kind of middle of the road for me because I didn't really, I, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. And I think that's when we watched it last night or the night before that I think that's the second or third time that I've seen it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be opposed to watching it again. So uh, that's fair. And you know what? That's really all I can ask. <laughs> it really is. So finally, what did we learn about Satan from this movie? Oh, he's got great taste in cars. And fucking great reflexes. Seriously. <laughs> he can drive like a motherfucker. Drive like a motherfucker. This guy, <laughs> damn. Uh-oh. He can make a vehicle perform. 
Um, we also learned that the devil really hates the French horn. Yeah, well, I can't blame him for that one. Me either. Any horn where you have to shove your fist up into the bell to play it, I'm not down with. Uh-huh. <laughs> You'd think I would be. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for The Car, a movie that X loved and one that I didn't completely hate. So let's roll credits on that movie because now it's time for Ask the Goat in which we answer questions from our beloved listening audience. And you can always send your comments and questions to us. Write them down. Email them to thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. And if they're awesome enough, we'll read them on the air and answer them as awesomely as we possibly can. Awesome! (laughs) (laughs) Leslie Moore wants to know if we have any plans on doing Blood on Satan's Claw. She says, I've been wanting to see that one for years. Well, sure, why not? I mean, we have our own list of movies that we're itching to do, but anytime one of you has a request, we'll certainly get to it as soon as we possibly claim. Blood on Satan's Claw goes on the list. It's on the list. Thanks, Leslie. Also, great friend of the show, Cindy Sin Fallon asks, Would it clash with my Northwoods cabin motif if I use a wall-mounted dildo as a doorstop? Northwoods cabin motif. Um, it has to be a black dildo. Well, I was thinking maybe camouflage. Camo would work. Yeah, go with camo. That's okay. that's got my votes in. Uh, I figure as long as it goes bang, <laughs> like a real boner should. <laughs> I mean, like a real doorstop should. I'm sorry, and I don't see a problem with it. <laughs> Just make, just make sure you lick the suction cup before you attach it to the wall, or else it's going to fall off at the slightest breeze. Oh, yeah, and that's disappointing for everybody. <laughs> so our final question comes from Josh Maiden, who wants to know, hey, where do these stairs go? Well, Josh, they go up. Thanks for that one, Josh. Hey, don't forget to stop by and join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash kissthegoat. So you can join in on the fascinating conversations with Cootie, myself, and all of the acolytes on the forum. And don't forget to leave us a big, giant mofo rave review on either our Horrorphilia page or our iTunes page. The more you talk us up, the more people listen, and the more fun we have. The more the scarier, right? Couldn't agree more, beloved. In any event, tell your friends about us so that we continue our gradual takeover of the Internet, growing our podcast empire until you could shoot it in the head and it would still bounce back unfazed. That was kind of apocryphal. Apocalypse now! <laughs> Looks like I'm getting laid tonight. <laughs> That's all for this episode of Kiss the Goat. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. Both Both guests, guests for, for Scottish Independence. independence. Hang on, Judy. Let me get my Brando ball cap on. The horror! The horror! Ich bin ein Fuhm. 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 Ich bin ein F